Let's face it, we frontliners see the absolute worst of humanity more than we may like, definitely a lot more than the general population. And while I can certainly appreciate heading to the local, off-shift friendly drinking establishment after a particularly difficult night, I'd much rather cope with finding whatever humor I can in a bad situation. Trust me, it's better than having to call my adult daughter to pick me up from a bar at 9 o'clock in the morning because I can't, uh, find my keys. My name is Jennifer Cosgrove, and I've been a night shift nurse for close to two decades. I created Overnight Observations to not just celebrate and share the often extremely dark sense of humor many of us possess, but to really dig in and chat about how allowing ourselves to find levity in serious situations not only helps us cope in the moment, it's also been scientifically proven to be beneficial to our overall mental health and physical well-being. So grab a cup of lukewarm coffee and a cold slice of pizza, sit back and relax, but not too much, you'll get us all in trouble, and just observe. Hello and welcome, everybody, to episode 13 of Overnight Observations. Can you believe it? Wow, 13. Great number. And of course, it's only appropriate that it's going to be airing on the week before Halloween. Wow, Halloween. The year flew. Remember last year? Second full moon of the month, making it a full hunter's moon. Daylight savings time. Clocks fell back, adding another hour. And here in New England, we had a snowstorm. And who had all that in their 2020 bingo card? (laughs) Certainly not me. I'm really excited. I've loved Halloween all my life, more than any other holiday, more than my birthday, more than Christmas, more than anything. And I remember being really sick as a child, probably around six or seven years old. My mother called the family doctor to ask if I'd be able to go trick-or-treating that night. And he said, absolutely not. She's not well. She could get even more sick, blah, 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 blah. My mother agreed with him. Of course, I did not. So we made a compromise. We only had a few houses on our street anyway. I think there were four on my immediate street. And my dad took me around to all of those houses and maybe a few others as well. I can, I don't remember really because I was only around six or seven. And then we got home to see what I scored. Now understand this. If if you knew my dad, as some of you did, he was known for his sweet tooth. I just enjoyed dressing up in a fun costume and Just the act of trick-or-treating I thought was really great. You ring a doorbell, you say trick-or-treat, you get some candy. Awesome. Now, I only became a self-professed chocoholic in my adult years. So after organizing the Reese's Cups next to the Mounds bars, et cetera, and so forth, dad was the one that reaped the rewards. He had candy for a month. He thought it was terrific. And he always made sure to buy regular-sized Hershey bars for Halloween to give out to all the kids that would show up at the door because this was the year we were going to get a ton of them. And my mother always said, Tommy, why, why are you doing that? You know we're not going to get kids, and you know that you're going to have to eat them. Isn't that a shame? And he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, living in the last house on the right, on a dark, quiet street with woods all around us, a pond across the street, it had its advantages. And Dad certainly, certainly knew that. I still love Halloween as much now as I did then, if not more. And I'm happy to say I've never worked a Halloween night. It is a religious holiday for me, you know. And when I lived in Salem, Massachusetts, I made sure to take vacation time as the traffic and the literal herds of people turned what was normally a 15 to 20 minute commute into at least an hour and a half ordeal. Now that they've put in more stoplights up in Salem, it's prob- it would probably be even, even more. 
And since I never worked a Halloween, I'm sure I missed out on some wildly entertaining stories on what went on, not just in the ER, but even on the streets as well, other than the annual token stabbing occurring in downtown Salem around 10.45 p.m. If you have any to share, all you police officers, EMTs, nurses out there, you know who to tell. So, as you probably have figured out by now, dear listener, I like to do research on a given subject before discussing it on this podcast. So if you tune in on the regular, back a couple of episodes, I talked about hand washing. Well, it seems I'm not the only one who does their research. Like many people, I've been watching some really excellent content on Netflix. Haven't started Squid Game yet. I'm going to save that for a cold evening. But I did just finish Midnight Mass the other day. And if you haven't checked that out, please do. It, it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. It's, by, I believe, Mike Flanagan, the same guy who redid Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. And this was fantastic. So anyway, as I was watching episode six, I was surprised and delighted to hear the name of Dr. Ignace Semmelweis brought up in discussion between the characters of Aaron and Dr. Gunning, who's played by the ever-awesome Annabeth Gish. It's about five and a half minutes in, if you're curious. And I thought, hey, I know that name. And no lie, felt really proud of myself for knowing about him and all of his research on hand washing back even before Florence Nightingale. So research, yay. So if anyone out there in Hollywood could use a nurse researcher as some sort of a technical advisor, hey, let me know. I even have a SAG aftercard. So keeping in that spooky vein or spirit, <laughs> sorry, that, that was bad. I figured I'd look into how Hollywood horror has depicted the nurse throughout the ages. And no surprise, there are three basic types. Psychotic, terrifyingly sexy, and comic relief. Sometimes a combination of each. Now, type one, psychotic. The number one, psycho nurse, according to movie buffs and reader polls from websites like nurseadvisormagazine.com and nursebuff.com, is Annie Wilkes from Stephen King's Misery. And when someone tells you they're your biggest fan, please make sure they aren't hiding a sledgehammer behind their back because it, it, it probably won't end very well. Type two, sexy? All right, I have two terrifying examples for you. The, the first ones being from 1987's Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors. Now that theme song by Dawkins running through my head. And it will for the rest of the day unless I hear something else. Anyway, Freddy Krueger transforms himself into a pretty blonde nurse that centers in poor Joey's dream, only to have him hovering over hellfire. And Freddy strikes again as a nurse in part four's dream master, looking a little bit more like himself. Well, actually more like if he and Mrs. Doubtfire had a baby. The third example being from 2013's Nurse 3D, Abby Russell. Dedicated nurse by day, serial killer femme fatale by night. Don't talk about a nurse having an obsessive compulsive disorder. Yikes, I thought washing my hands was bad. But uh, yeah, Abby, uh, Abby brings it to a whole other level. So if you feel so inclined, check that out. Now, my personal favorite, type three, comic relief. If you haven't seen Mel Brooks' film High Anxiety, or if you just haven't seen it in a while, it's so worth a rewatch just for Cloris Leachman's portrayal of nurse Charlotte Diesel, the cigar-smoking, uptight dominatrix that's in charge of the psychoneurotic institute for the very, very nervous. Her black sequined nurse's cap that she wears to dinner is on point. The way she talks is a treat, and the fact that she rides a broomstick on her eventual dramatic death, absolutely worth the watch. Any Mel Brooks is worth the watch, but Nurse Diesel, unbelievable, unbelievable. And speaking of nurses' caps, the costume of the nurse has changed over time. 
Yes, yes. The sexy nurse is always the Halloween party staple. And I don't know if any nurse has ever worn platform stripper shoes to work. They're just not practical. But hey, who am I? I'd probably fall and break my hip. But I'm sure the plague nurse costume will be in force this year. Our friend Florence Nightingale originally designed the uniform during the time of the Crimean War, consisting of long sleeves, long skirts with aprons, and a veil-like cap that were kind of loosely based on nuns' habits. No gloves or masks or anything then, but they did hand wash. So this was the norm until right around World War II. The sleeves and the dresses were shortened as a result of material salvaging and how mobility became an issue. So not having all that fabric in the way made things a little bit easier for nurses to get around and do what they needed to do. Now, nurse pantsuits were a temporary thing in the 1970s before scrubs became the norm. So they were the prototype for scrubs. Caps went by the wayside due to not being all that practical as they tended to fall off and into different, shall we say, uh, fluids at the worst possible moments. So wearing one has become more of a rite of passage during nursing school pinnings and graduations. And uh, for our graduation pictures, we had one cap that was passed down the line for each of us to put on before the bulb flashed. So you know, sanitary conditions, huh? We, I think one, of, one or two of my classmates made comment about it. And the guys didn't have to wear them, of course. But Frank, being a sweetheart, he's like, hey, I'll wear the cap. He didn't, but God bless him. Miss him. And if you get a minute, check out Pinterest. Louis Vuitton believe it or not, got into the uniform game as part of his 2008 Fashion Week ready-to-wear collection. And I think, I think Mark Jacobs helped with the design, if I'm, if I'm correct. I'm really digging the black lace LV embossed lace face masks. So ahead of its time. Who knew that the face mask would be so cutting-edge and fashion-forward? Very, very cool. What are your plans for Halloween? Are you working? Are you playing? Are you doing both? Let me know. OvernightObservations at gmail.com or OvernightObservations.com. Whatever you do, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a frighteningly good time. See you on the flip side. Ciao. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. If you've laughed a little or a lot and learned something in the process, I've done my job. For more respectfully irreverent humor and the scientific proof that it's actually good for you, subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget that a little bit of levity goes a long way to leaving some of the darkness behind. The sun always rises. Greet it with a grin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.